0: We've been here before, haven't we? Luton Town 2, Aston Villa 3, late heartache for the town once again. Alongside me to review the game is the Lutonian journalist James Cunliffe and the incredible Luton Town fan Mark Crowther. Uh, gents, we're ready to well look back on what might have been?
1: Yes, let's <laughs> relive it again. <laughs> Bloody groundhog day, isn't
0: it? <laughs> it is indeed. We'll review it all after this intro.
2: I love this town. I love this town. I love this this, this town. You know what I love about this town is actually you. Everyone in it has got this massive soul. We're
3: looting people, and that's what we care about. <laughs>
0: Hello everyone, welcome along to another episode of the Luton Town Supporters Trust podcast. As I said before the intro, we're looking back at Luton Town 2, Aston Villa 3, a night of so near, so far and so bloody annoying and... uh, yeah we'll sum it all up in the next sort of 45 minutes or so. Before we do that though Mark thanks for joining us for this episode of the podcast. In fact you're with us for all of this week's podcasts aren't you? Before we get going introduce yourself. How long have you been a Luton fan? All of that? So yeah Mark Crowther. I've uh, been a Luton fan for 43
1: years so 25th of April 81 uh, ingrained in me for the first game. Uh, a lot of people know me as uh i crazily cycle to all the games, uh, all the way games for charity. So, uh, yeah, that's how people might know me.
0: And we will discuss that a little bit further uh, over the next sort of couple of podcasts and things. But Jimbo, let's turn it to football. <laughs> I mean, we've seen this record before, haven't we? this movie rather, before, and the sequel is no better than the original.
4: yeah. I mean, we could just replay the Liverpool game, the Liverpool podcast, the Arsenal podcast, the Burnley podcast and go and have a beer, I suppose, couldn't we? It's pretty much the same thing. Um,
0: valiant defeat, but it should have been more. As in, should have been more than a defeat. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, it should. I mean, Mark, it's, they say, there's that saying, isn't there? It's the hope that kills you. And at 2 2, we're full of hope. And then we, we just go and shoot ourselves in the foot again. It's just the. The
1: effort uh, that they put in after the first half, and just the effort they put in to get back to two each, and you thought, right, we'll go and go and get the win. And like I said before, like a point would be a good result considering the form that Villa are on and where they are in the league. And part of you think, right, we we'll just consolidate, take the point, and then out of nowhere, the uh, yeah, the, the killer goal that just uh, that just broke our hearts.
0: Yeah, it did. Yeah, I mean the the annoying thing is, James. It looked like their race had been run. It looked it looked like they'd fizzled out in the first half. We were absolutely dominant, much like the Burnley game. If there's a winner in the game, it's coming in the kennel of end. And then it out of nowhere, it didn't.
4: I'm getting properly bored with how ruthless this league is. <laughs> honestly, it's just it's just insane because they Aston Villa, for as good as they were in the first half didn't have a sniff in the second half and it, it was all Luton. after the equalizer it looked like Luton would go on and get a get a winner. Carlton Morris had a chance, had another one, flash across, although it was offside, carbon copy of the goal. Um, you know, cross after cross, so much more intensity, all of that stuff. And they did not have one save that Kaminsky had to make quite comfortable for him. Um, by the way, his top corner one in the first half, absolute worldie. Um and they didn't have a sniff and it's he, he, just it's got to the point where you just feel like against these top four teams that you get into those late stages and they can just whip any old ball in the box and it goes in and um, the thing is it wouldn't have gone in if it was just defended properly from everywhere Um, you know stopping the cross coming in and um, tracking Dina none of that happened and it's just so much great effort in that second half for nothing I mean you can still point to the first half how it was uh, pretty naff. Um, it, it, there was no intensity whatsoever and not helped by Bell going off injured. I'm sure we'll talk about that, but um, once you've got yourself back into that sort of position, you, you need to capitalise and uh,
0: and they didn't. No, they didn't. Uh, Mark, when the team sheet was uh, revealed, three changes from the side that lost to Manchester City, although, you know, it'd be hard to, for, uh, to remember a third one. Uh, Kaminsky for Cruel, Kabore for Ogbene but Ogbene was on so quickly that you forgot that he actually started the game on the bench and Townsend came in for Corley Woodrow how was you how, how did you feel about the team when it you know when it was picked I was surprised that Amari Bell uh
1: was was the way he went off against uh Man City uh, surprised that he was he was able to start and and yeah we got, just got used to uh Chio just being a one of the first names on the team sheet, but we also appreciate that that uh, the amount of effort that they that they put in that that Rob's got to uh, manage manage the team, and we're sort of getting threadbare on injuries already at the moment, and they know the players better than anyone, and so maybe it was just to just sort of give him a give him a breather, although he didn't get much of a breather. <laughs> how how quick he how quick he came on. Uh I also wasn't wasn't surprised with the third change uh with Corley Woodrow, uh just just in terms of the way that Villa Villa Press and just trying to find that space. So wasn't too surprised with with the changes, uh but more like just seeing Amari Bell and obviously that that came back uh, after a couple of minutes.
0: Yeah it did yeah and it was was obviously a doubt in the build up to the game Rob said he would give him as long as possible I think it's pretty obvious now James that they took a gamble they put all their chips on black and red came out on the roulette wheel and um, risk worth taking possibly I suppose if they could have got him through to half time or something it's just it just highlights how much balance he brings that back three doesn't it and and I, I, like Mark says Chia was just rested because he played so many games and his rest lasted all of five minutes
4: yeah I mean I, I don't think it was a risk worth taking in the end I mean we talked in the preview podcast about Gabe whether if if he's half fit you give him a go and um, did we even mention Elijah even though you know after we've done that podcast in the press conference he said he, both of those players were not going to feature but I think we're at this stage now where we need to get them fit we can't Play them half fit and risk further injury because there ain't enough games for them to recover from. Um, if, if you know, if a, if a hamstring befalls somebody in the same way it did Sambi earlier on in the season and he's out for two months, then well, the season's gone, isn't it? So, um, yeah. But, it, but at the same time, it's it's threadbare. I think the 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 main if you're going to look for a positive from the game, it's that um, Hashioka came on and was outstanding and. Suddenly, the defensive is- issues don't look as bad. I mean, there's, there's still not much options chop and change, but um, it was an assured presence, really. And and um, probably uh, when you when you look back on it, it, probably should have come on a lot earlier than trying to deploy Doughty as a left sided centre back.
0: Yeah, it'd be interesting if you asked Rob Edwards if he had his time again, whether he would make that change. And listen. Rob knows Hashi. He knows all of the players. He's got all the data at his disposal. Maybe Hashi's just not ready for what was what would have ended up being sort of ninety-five minutes with injury time and everything else that was added on. Um, but it did affect the balance of the side, didn't it? Having Alfie as that sort of left-sided centre back with with Chio as the left wing back, there was first of all it took away Alfie's attacking threats and the crosses and everything that he provided so well in the second half. But we just had no width down that left hand side, and and we were just flat as a result, really, weren't we, Mark? In that first half, we we just couldn't build up ahead of steam at all. I think I think from the first
1: half was Villa were just like we didn't take Villa out of their comfort zone the way we did in the second half, uh, and losing that creativity with Alfie out wide, as you said, uh, having him in the middle, we just like everything was the like Second half, we just picked up the pace and we just got them out of the comfort zone. Whereas in the first half, I think everything was just too comfortable for Villa. Uh, goals change games and goals influence games. So when they got the goals, they could control the game even more. But uh, we just created very little in the first half. Uh, we didn't look like look any threat at all, and uh, and yeah, it was just uh, it was it was just like a struggle in the first half to sort of stamp. Stamp our normal pressing game, the normal intensity that that we we are able to put. I mean, look at the, some of the best teams that we've put on the back foot with our intensity, on pressing. Arsenal, Man United, all the best teams have, have struggled to cope with that intensity, and it just wasn't there in the first half.
0: Yeah, no, that's uh, that's right. Um... We got pelted in the comments of our preview show for saying Aston Villa were bad on the road. We didn't actually say that, did we? We just said they're not as good away as they that, are at home. That, That's a that, compliment yes. to their home form rather than that was the difference. Rather than saying that they were bad away. I looked at the odds earlier, James, for Ollie Watkins to be the player of the season this season. There are eight names ahead of him. Admittedly, they all play for Man City or Liverpool, <laughs> but if there are seven better players in the Premier League than Ollie Watkins. I haven't come across them and I'm kind of glad I haven't come across them because he looked lively as anything in that in that first half in particular. Every time um, McGinn or Douglas Louise or Leon Bailey had the ball, he was sprightly, he was sharp. His feet are so quick and I don't just mean his pace, I mean the way he just gets the ball out of his feet and then wallop, those shots that hit the post was a perfect case in question. And if he'd scored from one of those chances, you'd have been like, well, fair enough. He's top class operator who's done it to all of the teams in the league. But Luton don't concede in that fashion. They concede from a bloody free header from a set piece. Now, he's not the tallest bloke. You know, they brought a lot more giants up than him. Yet it's him, top scorer, one of the top scorers in the league. I think it's only Salah and Erling Haaland above him. And he's given a free header six yards out, seven yards out, whatever it was, to open the scoring. And you're like, town, for Christ's sake, we're killing ourselves again.
4: Well, yeah, that's the thing, isn't it? I mean, we were talking about like keeping it tight for the first 15, 20 minutes and they managed to do that. But yeah, he had some chances and, and stuff and you're going you to expect or need Thomas Kaminsky to make some saves. And he did, but it's, it's, it's bordering on un- unforgivable to give a player of that quality the time and space that he had, there was not a soul around him for the header. I mean, there's a. You could argue maybe that Mengi gets blocked off, not um, in any uh, in any way that would draw a foul, but that stops him from getting there. But then you've you've got to bully away uh, to the ball or bully way to the, to the man, and it's just so disappointing that that they're so good in. A, a, Crossing and um, heading from set pieces and things like that to concede one like that with with absolutely no one around him is it's just so frustrating because you've given the platform we wanted we spoke about it even even though the game was a bit drab and Luton weren't didn't have much go forward they they were keeping them out and and it's just so soft again the atmosphere goes a bit flat and then the second one is is almost. It's almost worse because, like I say, there was a slight blocking that means Mengi can't get to him for the header, but they've just switched off. And we've talked about this so many times. You, you cannot, not for a second, but they switched off. You can't blame Chio for, for playing him on side because on the other side of the pitch, there's two or three defenders closer to Watkins who are just not paying attention. And he goes through, you know, albeit his first touch is unbelievable and his finish is outstanding. But... You've got to go with You meant all the time. And it's it's yeah, it's so frustrating. That's you know, they all they all talked about I spoke to a number of players after the game yesterday and and Edwards all talked about it that the first two goals were really disappointing. And I mean that's that's putting it lightly, really.
0: Yeah. Uh that's what I meant about Watkins's quick feet, the touch of that the left footed touch was perfect. He couldn't miss unfortunately and he didn't miss and um, I mean in contrast in that first half Luke were trying to spray balls out to the wings and
4: they either weren't going to people or plays would fall over <laughs> it's like it's a ball, it's a he falling his ass um, you know yeah, he improved after, after the break but just nothing was going for him and there was a point where Ross Barkley was trying to find something in his quarterback style and there was no movement in front of him and he's getting so exasperated he threw his arms up in the air and the, the, you know whether that's because we're missing the um, the running of Brown and Adibio, perhaps, but there was just nothing there. And Villa was so comfortable, just with those banks of four. Um, I mean, you probably could make it an extra one in there as well, but it, it was compact and they, they, they didn't look troubled. Maybe that's the sign of a, a, a of a top team, but they just didn't do enough in the first half to try and get it uh, to try and impose themselves on the game.
0: No, we didn't. Uh, We almost got lucky, didn't we, with their second goal. Chio nearly doesn't play him onside. It's very, very tight, as you could tell by the length of time that the VAR took to decide that it was a goal. But obviously, we've all seen it back on Match of the Day or various other means, and we can see that it is a goal, unfortunately. But unlike on Tuesday night, Mark, in between goals one and two, where on Tuesday we did get forward and we did get some crosses in the box and we nearly had something to show for it, we just we couldn't get wide and in behind them at all. I think Rob alluded to it in his post-match press conference. There was just they defend quite high up the pitch, but there was just no way in behind them. We almost had to go around the enclosure to get around them. It was like it was just mad, and I mean, thankfully, it all changed in the second half, but. We just couldn't find a way in that first half, could we?
1: No, like I said, it they were just too comfortable and they needed to be taken out of the comfort zone. But it just seemed too too congested. Uh, I think after the last two home games, the Man City and the Man United, where we conceded really early, uh, it was just for me. It's just stay in the game. Uh, we don't want to be two 0 down very early on uh, and just stay compact and be be competitive and not give give them anything anything silly but the other side to that is trying to impose ourselves on the game and sh- and show the intensity that that we've been famous famous for this season but we just couldn't s- couldn't ma- make our mark on the game to uh to make them feel uncomfortable
0: no we couldn't Rob said that he didn't give them a rocket up their ass at half time but he's given them something whether it's a kind of red ball or something but we came out much the better side in the uh, in the second half, James, maybe not straight away, but once Hashioka came on, it was all changed, wasn't it? Alfie went out to the left, where he's obviously a hell of a lot more comfortable. Chio got in between their two lines and had the pace to go at their defence, and all of a sudden, we were on the front foot. I, I don't know if their intensity dropped a little, because it was so easy for them in the first half, but either way, we were getting in down that right-hand side, we obviously sort of targeted that because every attack was coming down that down that side and you kind of got the feeling that we were going to get back in the game and then we did get back in the game and in swinging corner the only one where Chong actually blocks the goalkeeper off again not in a foul way but stops him from coming he came for every other one and caught every other one of the in swinging ones but we finally got the goalkeeper blocked off there's an incredible save from Matty Cash on the line from a Reese Burke header, which thankfully all he can do is just direct it into the path of Carlton Morris, who gets it back into the middle. And after a bit of a pinball and uh, scramble, and it's like a school playground, wasn't it, for a couple of seconds, thankfully it fell to to Heath Chong, who um, probably rather enjoyed scoring in that game in particular after the stick he was getting Mm -hmm. in the first half, and uh, got us right back in the game.
4: Yeah, it, it was it was a good um, goal at a good time to get, and uh, I mean they did their very best to try and keep it out not only the cash one, which is unbelievable instincts because Burke is always point blank and he's on the goal line, but when Morris recycles the ball, Burke gets the touch and um, Martinez uh, gets in the way, and you're thinking at that stage, I mean it all happens in a split second, but it's enough time for everything to go through your brain that this is not going in. So the fact that it did and and, and Chung managed to it's um, it obviously lifts the crowd and stuff like that and it was deserved at the point that it had been coming. Um, and it gives you, it gives you hope, gives you a chance. Um, I, I've, you know, Villa have done that before. They've gone to tune up. Ollie Watkins referenced it in his sports guy sports uh, interview straight after the game that that's happened. I, I forget the game um, that they did it, but maybe it's it's something where they have been so comfortable and they go tuning tune up. They think they've won it. Um, who knows? Uh, but, you know Luton definitely did impose themselves more so it could be you know six of one and a half a dozen or the other in that respect so um but yeah it was it was a good goal to to get Luton going but the thing is they kept uh, they kept pressing and kept going um and to get the second and then there only looked like one winner so I can't believe we're sitting here and we're not talking about that (laughs)
0: Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Uh, Mark, he wasn't with us for the preview podcast, but myself and James highlighted the fact that Villa do not defend set pieces well. We just had a taste of that with that corner. And then we've been speaking a lot about Groundhog Day on this podcast. Anyone who went to Everton, the league game, they saw this move coming because Alfie's ball to the back post is absolutely inch perfect. And Morris, like he did at Goodison Park on the volley straight in the bottom corner, it was almost like it, all Aston Villa had to do was put dark blue shirts on it. and It would have been an exact replica of the goal, but it really did get, get us hope, get our hopes up. And, um, as as James has just said, at that point you think plenty of time left for a winner, and it's only us that's going to get it. I mean that that Carlton
1: Morris goal. I mean, when you watch it back on TV, it it looks even better because the ball's coming over everyone. It's going to the back post. Carlton's obviously seeing it coming over, but his 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 touch to to put it in from there, the, the first touch was just well, to to put it in was just incredible, and. Uh, like I said, I, I'm, I'm in the Kenworth right behind the goal and it, it looks a great finish, but when you watch it back, it's just like just a, an amazing goal to be able to have that skill to do that. And like you said, it's a, it's a replica of Everton and uh, knowing the detail that Rob and everyone puts in, you guarantee that Carlton's going to be practising that however many hundred times uh, and practice makes perfect and it was a perfect
0: goal. Yeah, it really was. Yeah, he he wrestled away from McGinn at the back stick, didn't he? And uh, yeah, thumps it in the bottom corner. And like I say, James, from there, there was only one winner. Uh, spoiler alert, they're wearing orange. And uh, You know, another gorgeous chance comes Carlton's way. I think it was Jordan Clark who um, the ball was rolled back to on the edge of the box. He crosses it and Morris is in acres of space inside the penalty box. I don't know if he realised just how good a position he was in. But he heads it straight at Martinez, either side of him, and you think we're 3-2 up and pandemonium ensues, but straight at a world-class goalkeeper. It's, you don't want to be critical, but we've mentioned it when we're comparing ourselves to these other elite strikers. They don't find middles of the goals. They find the corners of the goals, and had he have done that. And of course, he didn't head it straight to him on purpose. I'm not saying that he did, but had he have found the corner put us 3-2 up who knows
4: yeah well i think you can be critical on the one hand but also acknowledge that morris has come good because he had a tough time um in the second half of the first half of the season if that makes sense before christmas the win the the
0: win
4: yeah (laughs) so he scored he scored a couple of goals and then a long period without goals and then he, he spent some time on the bench and elijah came good but since he's come back into the side and the formation change that we mentioned maybe a month ago where Elijah was up top and he was just behind and that he's found a new niche and he's come good and he's started scoring goals or assisting goals ever since uh, the, the two we came off the bench and most notably the, the Sheffield United one. um he, He's been in and amongst it. So he's come good. He's He's found a, a place and a rhythm in the Premier League. And then on the other hand, you just, We've just seen Watkins and before that Haaland get a sniff and take it. And you get ahead a lot of that and he rose highest. It wasn't like he, uh, I don't think he was particularly challenged uh, in that. He had a good run, he got a good connection, but it's straight at keeper. And if you just stick it either side, maybe you've got a chance. So it's, I mean, these are the margins. We know this. I mean, um, it's it's no no slight on him or any of the other players that they don't have that, elite quality yet yeah, maybe they could get it but um it, yeah it's just when you look back on it hindsight isn't it like, if that goes in that's it it's game over and um but but even at the same time they did not have a sniff it wasn't like well oh my god look, they're gonna come good and come back and and they didn't pepper the goal they, they weren't on top at any stage it wasn't like oh they've had a good five minutes or anything like that so to concede like they did the third one is just an absolute sickener
0: yeah, I mean XG doesn't count for a whole lot but our XG in the first half was 0.06 XG in the second half was well over 2 which kind of just highlights just the change in performances in that first half Incidentally that's Carlton Morris the first Luton player to score three successive top flight home games since Ian Dowie did it back in the 90s uh, obviously scored the penalty against Sheffield United that header against Manchester United and then on um, Saturday uh, that lovely volley
4: he was also the first to score in three consecutive Premier League top-flight games, wasn't he? Before that, he, when, he nabbed
0: that off Elijah. Didn't yeah, he, he did. Elijah's. Um, so it, this
4: is what I mean when I say he's he's come good and he's having an effect. He's 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 leading the way. He's captain now as well. He's he's having a, he's in a bloody good period, um and he should have had at least all the plaudits. Um, I've got loads of photos from this game of his celebrations and great photos they should have been on all the reports of everybody's stuff and they weren't because of that, that goal the third one
0: yeah the third one I mean you, you said that they had not they, they were offering nothing and things like that and they weren't you're absolutely right the ball was firmly pointing towards the Kenilworth end throughout the whole of that second half in fact if you're on the halfway line you probably got a stiff neck didn't you we, looking we towards the kennel end Um But then D R B came on and I thought, oh Christ, because he scared the wits out of me in the away game. He was absolutely brilliant. But he only came on with 10 minutes to go. So I thought we can manage 10 minutes of him, but we couldn't. Somehow we let him wriggle free to put a cross in. And I mean, we'll hear from Rob in a moment. And he's absolutely, well, he used the word angry, but he looked livid at uh, what, transpired and I can only assume that's because this is not Issa Kabore's first rodeo where it comes to switching off at the back stick Exeter away Liverpool at home and now Saturday and these are all late in the game as well the most the time where you should be the most switched on rather than the least switched on and Mark the the cross comes over yes we've let him get the cross in way too easily but he said, "Just switch on and head it away, head it behind, head it out, head it, chest it to the goalkeeper. Do anything you want with it. But whatever you do, make sure you know Digney's coming in to head it and 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 get to it before he gets to it." It's it's the
1: concentration. I mean, Abori was uh, was brilliant. He was like flying down the right wing, and he was instrumental in getting us back into the game. And uh, he switched off for a minute. I mean it's it's heartbreaking that he finds the space he doesn't track him and he scores a goal but you, you just uh, I've just got visions of quality crosses come into our box late the uh, the Odegaard cross for the Arsenal game the Liverpool cross when they scored in the last minute and now this one they are just it can be avoided and can be defended but the quality of the crosses is not what you need when you're going into 89th minute and you're trying to hold on for a point
0: no it's not it, it's not but we've got to expect it James I mean is what 55 million quid if I've got that <laughs> wrong Villa fans I apologize but I know he's in that sort of ballpark he's not going to come on and you know scuff his lines or stick it over the or do what Chong did and pepper the bobber's stand or anything like that is he he's going to put in world-class deliveries but these f- these four games, sorry, three games that Mark just mentioned, Liverpool at home, Arsenal at home and now yesterday, that's four points done in the exact same fashion at the exact same time of a game.
4: Or more because it should have got a win against Liverpool.
0: Yes so two points there and then a point in the in the next two four points I've added this up don't worry I'm good with <laughs> it's a good job I'm not a numbers man in it I'm good, hell. I'm, good, I'm good with math. I'll do the I'll do the numbers you do the words and we're uh, we're all good but you put those four points onto our tally and we're not in the bottom three and this is how crucial this is now I'm not digging isa kabore out I'm really not it could have been anyone at the back there who's done that but when you've just come back from 2-0 down you know you're on top surely you just cannot fall asleep in that moment and it's just it's just cost us so much and we'll hear in a minute a couple of the players say that we can still take positives from the second half performance but we don't want positives we need points particularly as well the results had gone so well for us it looked like it was going to be an atrocious day at half past four Mm. but thankfully football matches these days go on till five past five and come five past five it was brilliant Even if we'd held on for the point, probably would have been less than what we deserved on that second half performance. But to lose, and and even with that point, we'd have gone to Palace next weekend, knowing that if we won and Forest lose, we're out of the bottom three. We're now still two results away from coming out of the bottom three, minus any points deductions or anything. And we just shouldn't be. No, um,
4: it, it, it's so frustrating. I mean, you can watch it again and again. That goal, um, and he just does not look and see that he's there, does he? It he really doesn't. And he's and the hung that up in the air. It, it it's a good from a Villa from a Villa perspective. It's a great cross, but he's hung it up in the air. It's up there for a million years, and he doesn't move. And um, Dina's got the run on him, and. <sighs> You don't want to, it's hard to, I don't want to dig him out because I actually had, you, I know you've got a different opinion. I actually had Kabore down with my man in the match. Um, I don't mean you can give it to anyone in the first half. Cause, well, it, or you nothing. can
0: give it to someone in the first uh, half. Well, that's your, that's
4: your <laughs> argument. And I, yeah, I, I, I'm I'm glad you can have that all day long. Maybe you can enlighten the people in a minute. But in the second half, so much of Luton's um, forward thrust came down the right with Kabore um and I, I know that you said he didn't many of his crosses didn't actually get to anybody but i just don't think they were anticipating enough that they weren't getting in there, there was not enough bodies in the box for half of them some of them, at least two i can remember there were decent crosses that you could make something of if you were just in there and and hungrier for it but um so i you know i had him as my man of the match um and and the, the the sponsors man of the match it came over the tannoy as well and 30 what,
0: seconds earlier it what, came over the
5: tannoy <laughs> as well
4: yeah, it's one of the fa- one of the few times i ever agree with the with the sponsors man of the match but um, and i'm led to believe that he, he he was so upset by it that he couldn't go and actually do the presentation thing in the in the lounge afterwards which, which fair enough he probably um, you know that he, he feels it at least but um yeah and he's- he's young isn't he he he's he's inexperienced and and maybe this is is part of that, but it is costly so so costly,
0: yeah, like I say, if it was the first time, then fair enough, but this is the third time you know you don't want to be critical of footballers, and I certainly shouldn't be because you know i they have as much talent in their toenail as I do in my body where it comes to football, but we're in a league where we've spoken all season about learning. And we've learned so much in this league if the same error keeps on happening to the same player at some point you've got to say listen when are you going to learn and I don't know Rob was angry for a reason and I can only think it was for that because it's not his first um well he's mentioned issue, that they didn't but, stop the cross as well and um, and that's right it is right because
4: I mean they did, I can't emphasise this enough. As good as they were in the first half, they did not have a sniff in that second half. They weren't throwing balls in the box. They weren't running through. They weren't cutting a sway. They weren't passing through. There was nothing. Um, you know, In the end, they've won, and that's fair play. That, that's, that's why they're top four. But you, you've got to take your chances when you can, and there was a chance there for a win. didn't happen, so then there's a chance there for a point, and
0: you've got to take it yeah you do it's well dare you say it, it's it's sending us down and uh, we don't deserve to be sent down uh, just to clear up my man of the match was Thomas Kaminsky but for Thomas Kaminsky in that first half we go in an absolute country mile down and the save he made from Yuri Tielemans I think it was Tielemans um, my memory's playing tricks with me at that was going in the top corner is an absolute worldie of all worldies He made a uh, save of the month contender up there placed not he? This was even better. It was, um, yeah, brilliant save. He was my man of the match, uh, yesterday, but you know, fair enough. It was given to Kabore. I don't use stats as a guide very often, James, but I did look on the who com website after the game yesterday to see who they thought was our best player. They actually had Kabore rated our second worst player. Wow. And, um, you know, that I wouldn't say he was that, but at the same time, as I say, he wasn't my, my sort of man of the match. Um, let's hear from some people that were involved in the game. We'll start off. I've just alluded to the fact that Rob was pretty upset with how things transpired in those last few minutes. And, um, well, let's hear from him now.
2: Yeah. As you can imagine, Dan, um, it's always hard and difficult to come out after a defeat but one where I feel like, I feel, and I might be wrong in saying, I feel like we don't deserve to, based on the performance and the chances we created and so many things. Yeah, it's really difficult to take right now. I think, yeah, it's probably the angriest I've been today. Yeah. And not half time, everyone gets fixated on goals and scorelines. The performance was decent in the first half. We conceded from a corner, from a quick turnover and transition, and we conceded from a quick free kick you know, it's hard to get behind last and the of a Champions League team, a team fighting for Champions League, you know, we should, what we expected to be 2-0 or something against Villa, I don't know. There was lots to like about the performance in the first half. We were a lot more solid than against City. Um, it's just difficult to get behind them. They're so well organised. It's difficult to get around them. It's Hard to create chances. Um, so just because we were 2-0 down, it wasn't loads wrong. We, we shifted one or two little bits. We up the, the intensity more because was, what what it doesn't matter now, 2 or down, the game's done. We might as well, you know, leave it all out there as we always do. Found a way to get back into the game with loads of quality, loads of endeavour, loads of passion and heart. Thought the crowd were brilliant. And it hurts now to, to to concede in the way that we did late on. I'll struggle to sleep tonight, but I'll sleep better when we've... I know we perform well, giving our fans something to shout about and, and entertain them. And where they our fans yeah, can that see that, that we've given everything. I want us to be good to watch. I want us to score goals. We're doing all of those things, but we need to try and. I just
1: said oh, I to sleep. Um,
2: we need to try and shut teams out in. Uh, and and today, a few think a few basic things that we got wrong, and we didn't shut them out. We want to win the game in the business of trying to win games of football. Three points helps us more than one. One helps us more than none. I know that, but I don't think it's like we have taken any more unnecessary risks at two-two, but we wanted to win the game. Um, it's not in our nature to at home especially you know, but anywhere to then sit and take it unless we're getting forced to do that Villa weren't necessarily forcing us to sit back and defend Uh, so there's no need to do that and I think if we invite pressure with the quality that Aston Villa have got they'll find a way they'll find a way through and I know they did anyway but we could have been better in that moment
0: I think that's fair enough um I don't think anyone would want us to sit back, Mark, even at 2-2. Yeah, a point's a good point, but we've seen far too many times this season when we sit back that we can get unpicked far too easily. So I wouldn't have any sort of um, criticisms of that or anything like that. It just so happens that it wasn't a tactical issue. It was just a person switching off at the wrong time issue, really. And, there's nothing Rob can do about that other than get a microphone or, or a loud speakerphone and every time the ball goes to that back post, scream down, it's someone switch on, he's behind you. <laughs> he's behind you. <laughs> it, was, it was like a pantomime, really, wasn't it? He, he's behind you. <laughs> Wake up, he's behind you. No, I mean,
1: you can't fault the effort. I mean, that's that's what makes us all so proud of the team this season is that They just refuse to give up in any situation, whether it's 2-0 down after six minutes at United, but we just came out second half. We dominated a team that's fourth, that's probably going to get Champions League football next year. So you can't criticise them just for the effort and the endeavour. It's just those moments that we switch off. Like we switched off for the second goal when... uh, I know we've already been through it, but uh, Ollie Watkins actually pointing where he wanted the ball, and it's just those moments where we we lose concentration. And at this level, uh, it's stating the obvious that that all our all these switching off moments were getting punished, and they're just exacerbated when uh, when it's when it ends the way it did.
0: Yeah, that's uh, that's it. It does seem at the minute that every time we make a mistake defensively, it ends up in the back of our net. Hopefully, that's just because of the last few games we've been playing against teams in the top 4, 5 and 6. And now that we're playing teams in the bottom 4, 5 and 6, uh, it might level itself out a bit. We hope that's the case anyway. Let's get some more reaction for you. We've spoken about Carlton Morris as a positive, James, or rather you have. Let's hear from the town skipper.
3: It, yeah, obviously really disappointed. Um, to be honest, you know, it's another... Occasion of the performance being there, but I saw coming away with any points. It's frustrating. But the first half weren't really us, you know, we were losing too many duels. When we started, we weren't really at the races. And, you know, second half was, was like the, the, the switch flipped. And, um, you know, that was our second half performance wise. But, you know, as I said, it's disappointing not to come away with any points. Connor, um our mind went off in the first mm. half. So we were disappointed. His injuries injury to all you up.
4: Which is disappointing in yourself, but did that perhaps have an effect of that first time?
3: Um maybe. It's you know, it's hard to tell. We've got we've got a lot of injuries at the moment, but you know, try not to get too bogged down on it. We just control the controllables.
4: Do the mate Elijah, he do well. Yeah, he's soon. doing he's doing well.
3: He's doing well. You know, we don't wanna take any chances, obviously with a hamstring, it can get a lot worse. But um <laughs> yeah, he'll hopefully be back as soon as possible.
4: You're finding the neck yourself now. Um, that's a couple of games in a row where you've been involved on in goals that must be
3: um Good for you. Yeah, I mean, listen, obviously that's my that's my main job as a, as a forward you know, creating goals and, and scoring them. But you know, it's it's extremely frustrating when it doesn't follow with the result. But you know, I'm just gonna keep working hard, keep keep the team positive. We we will it's a humble hardworking group, you know, that's what we do. And that's and that's what's gonna get us out of out of this fight.
0: Yeah, I like Carton as uh, as sort of the leader and the captain. He's he's the perfect person to sort of front up. As James said earlier in the podcast, it's a shame he was fronting up after a defeat. He certainly didn't deserve to do that. And I mentioned the WhoScore.com ratings. He was our highest rated player over the course of the afternoon on that website. So, uh, yeah, another good performance from Carlton Morris. Another positive that we need to speak about, James, we spoke about him after the Man City game, but I think it's only fair that we speak even more about him after this game because he played a completely different position to when he come on against Manchester City is uh, Daiki Hashioka who I mean the game changed once he came on yes it changed not just because he came on but because of what it meant to Alfie to Chio and everything else but this is a guy who's we led to believe is a right back stroke right wing back who can play right centre back no one mentioned that he could play left centre back with his eyes shut really which is how he was playing it It, you can tell that he's a Luton Town signing can't you he looks so natural on the ball doesn't matter whether he's given the ball in a tricky situation or whether it's not quite to his feet or it's, you know it's kind of up around his shins or whatever he just control it move it on he's got pace to burn he just looks an exciting talent and uh, I want to see a bit more of him to be quite honest well, I think you're
4: going to make because we've got no
0: defenders. So, um, yeah, uh,
4: it's good that it's good that he's he's coming at this time because I don't anticipate that Bell's going to be back uh, quickly. Um, I mean, we hope. I hope I'm completely wrong by that, and who knows about Osho, because he wasn't even in the squad. So, um, and and oh, well, Mads has put out a video hasn't he, of him doing some exercises. <laughs> Hopefully, that means he's a bit back sooner, though. The previous home game, I saw him walk through the mix zone um like he only had one leg, so God knows. Um. But
0: also, we thought Marvelous's social media post meant he was coming back in the foreseeable and we might not see him again this season. So um stop, stop giving us hope with these social media posts, lads, because Sambi's put one out of him and Eli as well, bashing the hell out of a bike. And, um, hmm. you know, just get on that pitch, please, especially you two yeah
4: absolutely but yeah but I mean in terms of Hashioka he was quality he looked assured, did simple stuff but I had every faith that he would come in and do that anyway because when you just look at the how the Japanese side played in the World Cup every single one of them 100% effort all knew their roles very well none of them particularly spectacular but as a unit fantastic obviously beat Spain beat Germany you know do that if you're Bunch of mugs, and uh, it, that's got to be a, a, a football culture uh, there. So we do, you would hope so, anyway. And and everything that you saw from that game suggested that it, yeah, that's not his position, but he comes in, and he does it well, and does it, he makes it look a bit simple, and that's a that's the sign of a top player, obviously You know, how many times have we waxed the about Ross Barkley and Samby for 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 the same sort of thing in a different place, and obviously more attacking that they just seem to have time and space and don't look rushed and uh, that that was the first impression of um, Hashioka, I mean, you know he came on before for a little bit of a cameo in the previous uh, home game but it, what it does obviously in that game is freed up Doughty from probably his head spinning having to be here as a left centre back, uh, I mean I couldn't even believe it when I saw it happening, I was like what the hell upside down world are we in here? And, um, and Chio a bit further forward as well. And, you know, he had a good second half as, as many of the others did. And Doughty too got further forward, was able to play in some crosses. He was obviously got the assist for, for Morris's goal. So it, it gave more impetus in attacking sense when in the first half there was absolutely none. There was nothing happening. So it, it changed things up and maybe, um, actually, I don't think there'd be a complacency from Villa. They, they probably just were on easy street and they they didn't have to try very hard to be tuned up. So they, you know, but then when the when the game changes in that way and you've got two extra players that had to be on the pitch doing what they're supposed to be doing rather than something pretty alien to them, then um, it all makes sense. And it, yeah, it all stemmed from Hashioka's introduction, I think.
0: Yeah, it did, Mark. I mean, we've only seen him twice, but you can see him becoming quite a cult sort of hero at the club, can't you? He's just... Both times he's come on the pitch, he's come on with a smile on his face and he just seems to be enjoying it and he's obviously got a work rate that town fans love to watch. And yeah, like I said, I'm looking forward to seeing more of him. It's his energy
1: as well. Uh, I mean, when he came out on the pitch uh, for uh, for the Brighton game, he just... Just has that personality that you warm to, and his uh, energy. And I saw an interview with Rob saying that he's he's not he's got a goal or two in him as well, judging by what he's been doing in training. Uh, so he's, he's just a Luton Town player, just in terms of I mean, it's just another just another incredible sign in that the recruitment team have have managed to find, and uh, is very much. A Luton Town player, and we're all excited. What I mean, bear in mind, he's, he's, a, he's played against Manchester City and Aston Villa, so he's played against two of the tops, so it's and He looks totally comfortable.
4: He must be thinking, of What the hell's going on? Because when he came, uh, they battered Brighton 4 0, and then the game after that, Newcastle one and it's been a bit um, uh, the opposite ever since. But um, you know, he might, he's got to be pleased with his debut there.
0: Yeah, absolutely he has. Yeah. It wasn't his debut, was it? Premier League debut, I'll let you off with that one, yeah. Um, yeah, he has. This all sounds stupid, but I actually thought we defended alright yesterday. I did, compared to how we defended in a kind of kamikaze way against Man City. By and large, Mengi was as good a match for Watkins as he could be, Sp- particularly in the second half. Every ball that went up to Watkins, Mengi was in front of or threw him out the way. And, you know, not in a sort of fouled way, but was just stronger than him. And Reese Burke was a Rolls-Royce again during the game. He was kind of unlucky for the second goal, wasn't he? Because he was just in the process of getting booked. And the referee didn't really give him time to get back into position before he let the free kick get taken. I understand that. If that's the other way around, I'd want the free kick to be allowed to be taken because it's meant to be your advantage. I get that. But I just thought Burke played really well. And I thought Mengi did all right. And, you know, we've just spoken about Hashiokas. Somehow you'd look at it... We're not defended too badly. You look at the scoreline, 2-3, how's that happened? <laughs> exactly. I, I still can't
4: uh, fathom it because, um, you know, I mean, how many more times have to state that Aston Villa didn't have nothing in that second half and they've still come away with the win? It's beyond frustrating.
0: If that's not the um, thumbnail for this podcast, Aston Villa had nothing in the second half, <laughs> then uh, you're doing it wrong, um to be honest, uh, let's hear from Rhys Burke because it's great to have him back. We love him on this podcast and he's obviously just played two 90 minutes in succession which we're always a little bit nervy about, aren't we, with regards to Rhys Burke but he seems to have done it perfectly and uh, long may that continue. James caught up with him after the game. Uh, that felt like a sickener at the end. What was, uh, what was your take on it?
6: Yeah, no, we've got it as a team. Um, obviously the first half weren't good enough from us. Um for second half, we was, we was the better team. Obviously, we got ourselves back in it, and to be fair, it looked like it was probably the ones that could could have nicked it. Um, but yeah, disappointed with the last goal, and then obviously to to come out with a game with no points is uh, yeah, it's disappointing. Feels harsh, doesn't Because I mean, I know you're playing the likes of Liverpool and
4: Arsenal, but it's, these late goals are killers.
6: Yeah, I've, yeah. Um, again, we need to obviously learn from it. Um, I know the last goal was a killer, but even the first two, probably not good enough. Um, so, yeah, we need to to look at that and obviously get a better.
4: Um, what happened at half-time? There must have been some rousing team talk because it was like night and day, different performance, second half.
6: Yeah, I just think as a, as a team and even the staff, we just knew it wasn't where we can be. Um, and it's been like that quite previously as well. Starting games slow and obviously chasing them. Um, but, yeah, no, it was second half well, I think the lads came out fighting and um, again we did manage to get ourselves back in the game but as you say got it we didn't get anything yeah I mean it was um, yeah,
4: disappointing in the end but do you take heart from that second half before
6: yeah definitely We need to take that into the next game and try and start games how we finished today um, yeah. obviously it's been first half is a bit difficult losing losing belly early on um, but we've got, we've got players coming back now uh, hopefully for the next next game and Again, I think the next few games are big big games for us in terms of trying to get some points on the board. Um, so yeah, we need to keep pushing on and fighting. Um, but yeah, got great, we've got a great bunch of lads and I'm sure we'll do that. His
4: defensive injuries are, are, are racking up. Aren't they? And Murray went off today and early early doors, I think seven minutes. Did that probably have an effect on the first half or were there other factors?
6: Uh, no, the, I wouldn't say that. Obviously, it does disrupt the game a little bit in terms of him coming off early. But no, I thought uh I thought the way the way we carried ourselves um was good. I thought especially the second half we made a few more subs. Um Hashi'd come on, not really played a lot for us, but again I thought it was brilliant. Um and I think everybody that came on with done well and I don't know, I think obviously half time it's sort of like a reality check to, to get everybody firing again and I think that's what happened. Guess Hashi might have to
4: play a bit more now given the injuries. It's it's one of those bare bones scenarios, isn't it?
6: Yeah, again, that's down to the manager, what he wants to do. Um, As you say, we have got a few injuries Mm -hmm. and I think, I'm not too sure, but I don't think they're long-term. So I will be expecting, obviously, a few of the boys to do back soon.
0: Yeah, those injuries are starting to mount up, but thankfully Reece Burke isn't one of those and uh, hopefully he can have a decent run of games. Obviously, we've got an international break coming up, so if we can get him to there, that would be absolutely fantastic because these defensive injuries, Mark, they are starting to take their toll, aren't they? And if Amari Bell is out for any period of time, and I mean, he wouldn't have gone off if he wasn't in real trouble um mm-hmm. five minutes into a game. You know, we don't know the situation with Gabe and, and as James alluded to, whilst Mads has posted a social media post it's unlikely to go from a boot and crutches to football within a couple of weeks so yeah we do need Reese Burke fit and as many defenders as we can possibly get for these three big games coming up
1: yeah and the nature of hamstring injuries is that they can't be rushed because you try and rush a hamstring injury makes it sound like I know what I'm talking about <laughs> <laughs> But you try and rush them back and it just means you the, the time on the sidelines is is even longer, but it takes me back to the championship season where we had four fullbacks across the uh, across the defense, uh, and it just feels a, a bit like that. And with the Premier League, the intensity is that much more, uh, and that's maybe why that we're getting more injuries that that the uh, can't coast through games like we might have been able to do in the championship, but having to give give everything and more. And obviously in the Premier League, we're now playing 100 minutes, not 90 minutes.
0: Yeah, no, that's fair enough. The intensity of this league is pretty crazy. And yeah, when the opposition are bringing £50 million worth of talent off the bench, you do have to play all of those 100 minutes, as um, Mark alludes to. James got up with one more person uh, after the game. No one else wanted to talk to him. But thankfully, Jordan Clark stopped by for uh, his reflections on uh, that agonising late defeat
5: thank oh, you yeah I feel sick really do it's um, chasing games every week it's not good you know giving two two goals away every week mountain to climb every week but um, shows a character we've got I know it's, it keeps saying every week so it's a bit boring at the minute but um, like I said you can't keep giving two in a head starts away but because like I said from 2-0 down a point's a good. It's a good point in the end it's tough, you know, um, obviously, we're making the same mistakes every week at the minute, so it's something we need to address. It's not, it's nothing to do with tactical yeah. or anything like it. it's just, yeah, like, individual errors which is costing us, but um, we need stick to stick together as a team and uh, uh, iron it out ourselves in the change rooms and in the meetings and stuff, and uh, we need to improve quickly because, like I said, we're running out of games, you know, um, obviously, we said as home games are going to be vital this season, so, Obviously, that's another one that slipped away from us and we're on a bit of a losing streak in the league, which needs to change. Yeah, I think we was off it, yeah. It just felt so slow when we had the ball and that. and we would The game plan we tried, the, the, the balls over the top just were like short or over here, you know, it just weren't working. And then the high press, which is usually really good for us, it sort of like it was a bit half and half, not aggressive as like we normally are and just made it so easy for him to get out, which is not good. And then obviously... Up to the strikers and their uh, their attacking players, and it was just rather not tight. Or they did us in behind. It was just yeah, it was just off it, and it weren't us, which is which is frustrating and stuff. And um, like I said, we half time we obviously nothing yeah, to I lose, try. which is not which is not a good thing to say. But um, yeah, got back into the game really well, and then obviously like I said, we I thought there was only a winner. felt felt there was on winning winner in the game, you know, and I thought yeah, it's coming, yeah, it's coming, really a lot of chances and stuff, and a couple of misses, and but um. Like that, the worst, she, the worst you get is a 2-2 two, two, you know and you take a point away from him but like I said t- to lose a game is a bit of a sick mm-hmm. the stuff we worked on we we never we never carried it out you know it was, it was either the quality or the press or anything just it's a bit like lustre really and we were like, like a bit too nice you nice you know and we know when teams come here you've got to you've got to upset them a little bit he uh, just said obviously you've got nothing to lose now um, bit, of, bit of a funny one because we knew everyone knew we could tell we we're off it, so we needed a reaction and we said if you get the first goal, um, obviously we we know we can do it this especially at the Kenny, you know, we can we get one and two and then we go on to win the game, but like I said, when I got back to two two I felt mate. it was on a winner then. Obviously it wasn't to be, so yeah, disappointing in the end.
0: Obviously just a little bit of background noise, uh, in that uh, last piece of um interview as we've said on previous podcasts, the mixed zone is in the corridor at Kenilworth Road. So we do apologise for that. We've done our best to get rid of as much of it as we can and hope that you basically you got the gist of what Clicker was saying. With the, and he's quite right, Mark. This going 2 nil down malarkey, it's not helping us one bit. And in these next three games, if there's one thing that we can do above anything else, it's stay level for a lot longer and just not give ourselves a mountain to climb. The important thing is, It
1: sounds obvious, but stay in the game, because if you can stay in the game, you can control it more. You're not having to make, Rob's not having to make changes to try and chase the game or to impact it further up the field. If we get the first goal, you can control it more. The substitutions can then manage the game better. But clickers right, it's when you go 2-0 down at this level of opposition in this league, it's 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 really putting a a big shift and a big effort in just to get back into the game to get to to get level but it's yeah it's just it's just frustrating but just got to try and stay in the game a lot longer than we are doing and I, i've always said that the first goal is just absolutely critical you get the first goal i know we've conceded a few leads but you get the first goal you can control the game better
0: Yep. We've said uh, throughout many podcasts, the first goal in this league in particular is absolutely uh, essential. And to be fair to us, James, when we don't get it, we still get ourselves in a position in games whereby we can get something from the game. You know, you think of sort of other games and you look at other teams and they're losing 4 0, 5 0. We're not, we don't do that, whether we concede the first goal or the second goal. At some point in the game, we're in there to get something from each game. And it's like, I don't know if that's more annoying. It was put to Rob in a part of his press conference that we didn't um, uh, put on the podcast earlier, but I don't know if it's more annoying that we're in every game or whether we'd rather be beaten a few times and then get what you get out of the games that you are actually in, if you you know what I mean. I don't know which way around I'd, I'd rather. I probably would rather it this way, to be honest. I just hope the last 12 games that we've got that are just desserts come our way.
4: I think it has to be this way around because the other option is just get battered and demoralised really and that's what the other two below are seemingly dealing with whereas Luton have fight in them and even most games there's sort of one goal in it. Um, it's only been a few times where they've been comfortably beaten and even when you look at the Man City game where the scoreline looks like an absolute job in, which it, it is but there's still some positives in there in the way that they took it to Man City and you only have to listen to some of their lot talk about how how Luton did that, which is it's a compliment, albeit it's a you know pretty empty one when you've got knocked out of the FA Cup to a, a, an absolute machine like like Harland and and Kevin De Bruyne. But um, it it is so it, it's disappointing in the extreme, really, to be for a third home game in a row to be two nil down, at least two goals down by half time, and considering all we wanted was them to be in it by midway through the first half and still two goals because of a lack of concentration you wouldn't mind if if Kevin De Bruyne was doing that too I mean you would mind eventually don't get me wrong but you you'd come to terms with it if Kevin De Bruyne type player was absolutely running the show and 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 playing at a level that you're not possibly you can't possibly get to but it's just mistakes and mistakes It's always mistakes. How many times have somebody, you know, everybody in the opposition teams had a touch of the ball but when they've passed it around Loon? That's not happened. How many times has it been a worldie? Twice. Mistakes all the time. Still costing.
0: Yep. Hopefully that second half performance can be replicated in the next three games. And if it is, I'm certain that there are points uh, up for grabs for us and there needs to be. We get into that part of the season now where performances need to go down. uh, It's not particularly important in comparison to the results. And yeah, hopefully we get some of those. That's it for the football part of this podcast. But Mark, we got you on um, particularly on this episode of the podcast because we're just over a week away from that rescheduled game at AFC Bournemouth, which is going to be an emotional night for everyone and an emotional day for you because you're running a special challenge. Talk to us a little bit about what it is that you're doing on that day. So as a lot of people
1: know me, you know I've done the Premier Pedal Challenge this season and uh, I've already cycled to Bournemouth once, so you'd think I'd know the way. <laughs> <laughs> I hope I do, but no, so obviously it's a massive, it's a massive day. Uh, it's very emotional for the club uh, because of what happened to Tom and uh, so I've I've decided to cycle to Bournemouth again but I'm trying to raise awareness uh, for the British Heart Foundation uh, and basically it's 124 miles. I was tired the first time when I did it over two days and this time I've got to do it in a day. So, uh, but basically, it's for, it's for a great cause. It's it's raising awareness uh, for all the heroes that helped save Tom's life at the original game. Uh, for the fantastic work that British Heart Foundation do, but also I'm um, sort of raising awareness. And as Tom has said in his interview, that uh, that every, it takes fifteen minutes to learn how to perform CPR and uh, i've included a link on my donation page i've i've been on and i've done it and it was very clear and very easy to sort of be trained on what to do in cpr uh so basically uh within 90 minutes of a football game uh five five people suffer an out of out of hospital uh cardiac arrest so it's i think it's really important that that, uh, that people understand what to do if they're put into that situation. So I'm I'm basically cycling to Bournemouth. Uh, I'm, if anyone wants to join me, whether it be a mile or however far, it would be great to see you. I'll be setting off from Kenworth Road at about 7 o'clock on the Wednesday. Uh, and, yeah, so far I've raised £185 for the British Heart Foundation. So... If anyone wants to support, whether come along or, or don- donate, it will uh, it will really help. It's gonna be an emotional day for everyone. Uh, it was just a harrowing experience from, from the game in December, as everyone knows, and it's just like for for, for Tom who's our courageous captain is just uh, just trying to sort of like do my bit basically.
0: Yeah I sort of introduced Mark um, before the intro to this podcast as an incredible Luton fan and this is exactly why I introduced him in that way it, it, it's fantastic what you're doing Mark I mean fantastic what you've done with all of, all of your previous cycles but like you say this one's going to have that sort of extra resonance because we're talking about literally life and death here and of course we all we all feared the worst on that dreadful day yeah. back in December Um We know that there's lots of people that watch this, Uh, not necessarily Luton fans, but you don't have to be a Luton fan to support Mark in this challenge. Um, He's going to cycle from Kenworth Road to the Vitality Stadium in one day, uh, 124 miles in a day. That's an incredible, incredible effort. If you can just spare a few pennies, um, they will go to a very, very, very good cause of the British Heart Foundation. We will put Mark's Just Give In page link in the video notes for this podcast they're all over our social media feeds and they'll be over our um, website as well so if you can spare anything um to mark uh, as a donation or if you want to join him as he said he's setting off at seven o'clock uh that morning um please do because it's a it's a really worthy cause and an amazing challenge that this man on my left hand side is um undertaking and we wish you all the very best Mark
1: thank thank you it's uh yeah it's a a daunting day but it's for a for a brilliant cause and just uh I'm sure there's gonna be some Bournemouth fans that are gonna join in as well at the other end so uh honestly I'm just so grateful for all the support it's uh from from yourselves everyone at the supporters trust like said 185 pound already Uh, that money will really help. So, yeah, just thank you to everyone and uh, look forward to the day, I think.
0: (laughs) Absolutely, yeah, absolutely, yeah. I mean, if you're going to the game, obviously we don't need to pay, and you had a ticket to the first game, obviously we don't need to pay again. So maybe, you know, donate sort of a few quid if you can from what you would have been paying on a ticket price towards Mark's um, cycle ride. As I say, it really is a worthy cause and we can't get behind that enough, absolute incredible effort
4: it's it's remarkable i mean just um not only that just managing to cycle to all these places i mean how you do it to um for, for two lads who get a sweat on sitting down how you even <laughs> manage to cycle to the likes of New newcastle and, and places that far afield is unbelievable so fair play to you
0: yep indeed as i say once again if you can support mark we'd really appreciate it if you can that is it for this episode of the podcast thanks to mark for joining us we really appreciate uh, you coming along thank you uh thanks as always to james for keeping me company for the last hour or so as well and thanks to you for watching or listening however it is that you've consumed this podcast please do keep your comments coming there were plenty of them in the preview podcast as i say aston villa fans we didn't mean to point out your away forms perhaps we merely compared it to your home form which is absolutely exceptional i've got a lot of time for um, um villa yeah fans. i do to too. Be, to, 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 We're coming up to
4: play uh, not so far as soon who a bunch of crybabies but Aston Villa this season have been absolutely fantastic so fair play to you.
0: Indeed so. Yeah. Great. uh, Had a great afternoon at Villa Park earlier in the season minus the result and had a pretty good afternoon yesterday again minus the result but uh, yeah thanks for your comments. Uh, Thanks for everyone who subscribed. These podcasts are going to start coming thick and fast again with that midweek game looming large on the horizon. So if you don't want to miss out on a single episode, hit that subscribe button and you'll make sure you get a notification when they drop. Thanks very much to the Hightown Club for hosting our studio as always, to Sean Grant and the Wolfgang for our intro music. We're not talking any more about him if he's a Villa fan. That's the (laughs) uh, end of that for this one. And to Ed Smith Creative for all the designs that you see on set. Until next time, which will be a preview of an absolutely massive Premier League game of football against Crystal Palace from the three of us. Come on, you hatters. (laughs)
4: this town. I love this town. I love this, this, this
1: town. You know what I love about this town? It's actually you. Everyone in it has got this massive soul. We're for People.